0: My friends have been making fun of me because they said I have the smallest head ever.
1: Welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. I'm Richard Thomas and I'm Mike's co-host. With us on the show will be from the new film Star Wars, Carrie Fisher. Mark Hamill. And Harrison Ford. From the Cincinnati Reds, Pete Rose and Tom Seaver, singer Billy Paul and the mime troupe Momenschance. Now here is the star of our show, Mike Douglas.
2: Hey everybody, welcome to another new year. Let's hope it's going to be a quality year, not for everyone else, but for me mainly. Yes, I selfishly deserve a great year, and I'm just putting it out there for the universe to hear. Although the Chinese would say it's the year of the rooster, the Gregorian calendar says it's the year of the cow. The just cow, that is. (laughs) It's an all-new podcast, and it starts right now! Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to the show, the Dave Does Cow Podcast, with our good friend, Ashley.
1: Hello. Hello.
2: <laughs> Ashley looks adorable, as usual, <laughs> and is uh, partaking of some of the uh, the good stuff. <laughs> uh, the Esther Koo material, That, uh, but she promises not to fall asleep.
0: I promise.
2: Yeah, because as you know, um, I was doing this girl's podcast, her name is Esther Koo, and she did that before we started and, and just fell asleep. <laughs> I'm like, why would you do that in your own podcast if you're going to fall asleep? And then I realized I just, I must be so boring. Like, I just wasn't keeping it. But no. she also fell asleep on mine, too. There's no way to that win. That
0: might be what she does.
2: Yeah, I guess. It's like, but, well, that's, I mean, we know pot makes you sleepy. But, um, so why smoke it if you know you're going to fall, fall asleep, asleep if you're doing something? Unless you're smoking it to go to sleep. For me, it I'm the exact opposite. I can't concentrate. I'm wide awake. I'm... Crazy! I don't, know how. I don't. I can't fall asleep <laughs> at all on it. You know, um, cocaine makes me fall asleep. I'm. My doctor. I asked him about it because you know you got to be honest with your doctor. Mm-hmm. If you're not, then you'll die. And um, I said, why am I? Why does coke make me sleepy and pot me? He goes, I don't know. You're wired differently than everyone. I'm <laughs> like that's your medical response.
0: That's the best advice you got.
2: That's the best advice I got, and I believe it. It makes a lot of sense. I and if you think about it. I am wired differently than everyone else.
0: I think you are. I'm
2: you? a weirdo. <laughs> so people tell me. But I like me. I like
1: my you wife too. likes
2: me. <laughs> my, uh, I'm sorry. I was trying to do trains, trains, train, and yeah. automobile. Oh, you knew? Good for you. I like me. My wife likes me. <laughs> I don't remember what else he says after that, but I got to get that whole thing down so I can uh, do it next time. Uh, several things. First of all, I moved my... Stuff to the right, my, my console to the right. I don't know why I never thought about it before. It's closer so then the guests don't have to cross over the plug. I don't know why I was keeping it on <laughs> this side. It's really easier over here. It looks convenient, But it's too. confusing me because I'm not near it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But look at that little thing. I take it everywhere.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Oh, you didn't come to Tommy Bahamas that time.
0: Did you bring that one? Yeah,
2: I brought it with me. When I did the 100th anniversary <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were supposed to come. Oh, you had to work. I know. And now you left that job because they were a bag of shit, right?
0: Fuck that job. Yeah.
2: They were they were horrible to you. One of the kindest people I know. I know. And they treated you like shit. Fuck them. So you said you might have a new job.
0: Yeah, I know. It's in a, um it's in the same building actually. What? Is
2: the <laughs> is it it's a medical thing or something? Yeah,
0: it's another doctor's office. They do dental surgery fun. So that's kind of cool. I hope they can work on my teeth and make them perfect.
2: They are perfect.
0: As perfect as they can be. Oh. <laughs> like
2: what do you want them to do? What do you think's wrong with your teeth?
0: I don't know. These two gaps right here kind of bother me. I don't see any gaps. Uh, you don't see it, but I, I know. Uh, I, no, I it's I, like you know what?
2: I'm not going to give any. But you're absolutely right. <laughs> it's like when people used to say, you don't need a nose job. And I'm like, listen, I know what I look it's, like. I want it. I need a nose job because my grandmother said so.
0: And you got one, right? <laughs>
2: I had no choice. My grandmother made me get one. I told you that story. <laughs> it's a classic story. In 1989, yeah. I was on a TV show. <laughs> and she I calls up, she goes, go, Hey, well, did you watch the show? She goes, I did. We have some money put aside. <laughs> That's the first thing she opened with. And I'm like, For what? Like, <laughs> you hey, didn't really need to look so Jewy all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, What? How dare you?
0: Wow.
2: I know. Um, yeah, she hated Jews.
0: And she, but she was your grandmother. That's right. She was
2: Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. She was a self-hating Jew. After my
0: last job, I kind of hate them a little bit. I, I understand only love them because
2: of you. Listen, I get it. And quite frankly, listen, anybody that's at a job where people are mean to you, you, you take out people's religion and ethnicities when you're, especially when you're driving, <laughs> you're like, you fucking nigger, you know, like you would <laughs> do that in a car. Uh, and I'll never forget when my friend Lawrence did it with our one black friend in the the car car. he didn't he fucked up and he goes you fucking nigger he goes oh she's done I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and this guy Don was the nicest guy he hated me he hated me But he loved Lawrence, and 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 after Lawrence did that, you know, it's like, but he still hated me. He hated me so much, or he just didn't hate me. He was just like, I just don't care for this just guy. He's Mm -hmm. an idiot. He won in school talks least says most, (laughs) and he also won the outstanding Negro award because which we used to make fun of as a joke. But he was the only. He was an outstanding Negro, um, and he was the only one. Uh, (laughs) But he was a very delightful boy but he just hated me thought I was an idiot um and it's kind of funny because l- years later, about 10 years after school yeah 10 years after high school oh and by the way he won talks least says most I won talks most says least uh so <laughs> I didn't even
0: know you could be nominated for such oh a you can talk
1: least <laughs> but says the most
2: well, I'm Talks Most Says Least. least. That's even worse. Exactly. It's, it's an honor to get Talks <laughs> Least Says Most. That's an honor. The other one is, is really sad, <laughs> where people are like, he's a jackass. Yeah. He's just a jackass. Everything yeah. he says that comes out of his mouth is stupid. Mm-hmm. So anyway, 10 years later, I was at a, a, a bar in New Jersey where we grew up, and they had karaoke. And I went up, and I was with my sister and her theater friends, and this girl that I was starting to date who was really pretty and now really fat. Um, (laughs) Really fat. And she broke my heart. Now she wants me back because she weighs 4,000 pounds. You're an asshole. Um, She's still very nice, but she's really fat. I mean, fat to the point where it's like, I think I'd be embarrassed walking around with you. (laughs) You I I know that's rude, but I'm just saying it's, it's, it's it's a problem. She's really tiny. To be that fat is... She's short. Very short. Shorter, yeah, like... Four eleven five five wow. feet maybe so um anyway we're at this club and i do michael jackson i was doing a michael jackson imitation <laughs> back then that was my big closing number if you can believe it yeah you know. <laughs> uh <laughs> and so i performed a michael jackson song doing it in the michael jackson voice
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh i'll never forget i saw that guy there, Don Wales was his name, the black guy. He <laughs> was in the audience by himself. I mean, what a, you know, fuck you, loser. You're still by yourself. <laughs> uh, at least I'm with some, yes, theater fags, but at least I'm with the girl. Yeah. But he was by himself, I guess. I don't know. He was just very soft-spoken. And it's so funny because I made a fool out of myself that night, you know, by doing the imitation and doing some dance numbers. I mean, the crowd liked it, but I was definitely making a fool out of myself. And I saw him. He was just, I. I saw, and I never talked to him. I just want to pretend that I didn't see him. Yeah. But I could see him later just going, what an asshole. Like, I, like, like he kind of <laughs> won because I'm still an idiot 10 years later. <laughs> you know, where I could have been like, I'm better than you now because look, I'm with people. Yeah. But then I made a fool out of myself. I didn't know he was there until I was on stage. <laughs> Otherwise, I never would have done it. I can't do it because there's bl- one black guy who's an outstanding Negro <laughs> is in the audience. <laughs> Even though Lawrence called him the N-word. Well, he didn't call him the N-word. But anyway, when like you're happy. driving, you like... You fucking chink, you dirty Jew. When you see uh, it's the the Hasidics, you're going (laughs) to say, goddamn fucking Jews. You know, you're always going to get angry. So anybody you're working with also that just makes you angry, you pick on the ethnicity group, even if you're not prejudiced, because that makes you feel better somehow to lash out. Definitely. So, yeah, if I worked for a bunch of Jews, which I have, which I do now, uh, but it it was certainly more so. Yeah, but your
0: job, I like your job.
2: Well, people are nice to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, they aren't very nice. But I'm saying I used to work for like actual Jews. You know, like at one point because I worked in so many different places, and they sucked. I mean, you know, if they're mean, they're mean, Mm -hmm. and there's no way around it. And if you're nice, you're nice. You don't even think about it. If they're nice Jews or Asians or black, whatever it is, then you're like, these are great people. These are great people. (laughs) I really, you know, I really think I think I could like black people. You know, whatever it is, uh, it depends. The way you get treated is the way you feel about all ethnicity you know it, yeah and then it, it makes a lot of sense i'm sorry they treated you bad you told me a bunch of stuff and it still makes me angry but it makes a lot of sense i think i even called it yeah, you said it was the the boss's wife <laughs> and, I, and i said is he re- is she related to the boss or something and then you told me like yeah it's his wife i'm like this makes so much sense yeah, sure. i've worked with a person's wife before and it's the mm-hmm. absolute worst I don't know why they're bitches. I don't know either. It's like they have this thing. They're like, you know, my husband owns this place so I can buy you and sell, you know, like that kind of thing. And they're just really rude. And where you live, where you were working, it's in a very, it's almost near where like the Clintons live and shit, right? It's like very prestigious. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Yeah, real Jewy.
0: Exactly. And it
2: does make you uh, feel like shit. So I'm glad you left there. I
0: almost smacked her in the face. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Mm. And you're a very... You're not like that. At all. Yeah, so it means that this lady's a horrible human being.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, You also just told me that you, I was saving it for the air. First of all, I bought these new lottery tickets, Um, and they're called Frogger, and they're based on the video game. And yes, Joe, I got you one. Uh, I know he's (laughs) listening. Uh, It's based on the video game Frogger from the 80s. It's a brand new New York State lottery (laughs) ticket, and I got into it over the thing. And it's like, I don't know, it just reminds me of the old ones from the 70s, because you have to like scratch off stuff and you get out it's like a maze so it's so much more fun than scratching off the thing where you just see like a a picture of a a fly and you're like okay maybe you won now or a dollar amount this is so much more entertaining um that i bought like you know a bunch of them so yeah i want you i'll show you how to do it later because the first time i did it i had no idea how it worked and i fucked up the whole card Oh my god! and then it turned out i won three dollars on it okay it was very exciting and then I looked at the back and I still didn't get it. And now I finally figured it out. And it's awesome. I couldn't wait to just get a whole bunch of money. I want to buy a whole roll of it. But I've done that before and you can only win the money back of the roll. I bought a whole package of them once. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I bought, I bought a whole bunch of dollar ones for like, how much was it? $250. No. And we won $250, I think. Or, or did we win? We won a certain amount that was so obvious that when they package it,
1: it's you're like, not going to win. Yeah. And
2: then I realize you you do need to take from each pile. Like maybe, maybe I need to go to lucky, another store yeah. to get yeah because you're not going to win on a roll. Hmm. I, mean, I? I don't know. It's no, difficult. it's true. People have different theories. It's but rigged. Now that I actually yeah, well, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't it be? Mm. But I always want to get x-ray glasses so I can see, um, you know, <laughs> like they have in the movies. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but you said you went to the Museum of Moving Image. When did you do that? That's in oh, Queens, right? Oh, I did right? that
0: on Thursday. Yeah, I was in Astoria.
2: Yeah, why do you keep hanging out in Queens? You did that for New Year's, too, right? I didn't go. I Remember told you to stop hanging out. in the city. I thought. Y- wait, when you texted me, you said you were in Queens.
0: Yeah, and then I left. I got to the meatpacking almost at 3.30 oh, in okay. the morning. Yeah. And you
2: were hanging out with Carmelo Anthony.
0: N- uh, yeah, we in the club. Yeah,
2: well, I don't know whether you know this. But the next day, they lost big, and it was Carmelo's fault. So <laughs> a lot of people are blaming you, yeah, right. for the Knicks' demise. Mm-hmm. What did you do to him? Why did you keep him out so late?
0: <laughs> I didn't do anything. Well,
2: why did they lose so badly after they saw you?
0: I just, I don't understand. They just can't get it right. It's like one day they're doing good because well,
2: then... he stinks. It's not only he's him, a prima donna, and he's. I yeah, guarantee, he if they cut him tomorrow, they'll start doing better. Mm-hmm. When you cut out the cancerous you know, celebrity mm-hmm. person, you start winning. When you cut out the the prima donna, mm-hmm. I guarantee if they get rid of him, Porzingis and the, and the other fools can work it out. You got to get rid of this guy. <laughs> I used to love him. I loved when he was in Syracuse. I watched him yeah. win the national championship. <laughs> I liked when he was on the Nuggets. I hated that he came to the Knicks. To the it's Knicks. over for him. Yeah. He doesn't work it out. He's never going to work it out. Of course, they said the same thing about Eli Manning, Then he won two Super Bowls. So maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. You, may,
0: you might not. You never know. But
2: why were you at the museum and moving in? I've never been there. Why, me what made either. you we
0: just Me and my girlfriends wanted to go. Uh, we took her son.
2: But what made you decide to go there?
0: Uh, my I mean, friend Stephanie's like a DJ, and she just wanted to go. So we followed it along. What's in there? So it's pretty cool. It gives you like a history of like... Film. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and like the microphone and the video, like uh, the video recorder. What is it called?
2: Well, as I was around, as they were inventing that, um, I no, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> <laughs> no and then they had Victrola? like props from
0: no. different like uh, popular movies. They had uh, like makeup used in the first Sex in the City movie. They had the um, from the Exorcism the the yeah. doll not yeah the, the image of the girl yeah no
2: I can't oh then I can't go it was cool no that <laughs> is I've seen that before and that freaks me out I can't Oh, th- I'm glad you told me that
0: well it's the original that they use yeah no I know ben. I know I know exactly <laughs>
2: what it is and that scared the head of me the first time I saw it, it was somewhere else yeah. in another place that I went and um, I so I can't go oh that would freak me out it was cool no it's not cool you don't know what you're talking about you're talking crazy talk all right let's move on I didn't know you were going to say that <laughs> Now yeah, I'm all upset. I gotta relax. <laughs> you know where I went for um, Christmas Day? Now, first of all, I've been in the house for two weeks. I haven't done anything. Why I couldn't put out a podcast, I have no idea. I mean, I seriously, I was like, it was so. I didn't even shower. I was so depressed, but I wasn't depressed. I just had nowhere to go <laughs> and nothing to do. So I had no reason to no just reason shower, to leave. Right? Yeah, I did Kevin Brennan's podcast on Monday, the day after Christmas. And then after that, I never left the house again. I never left again until this past Tuesday. Thank God to go to work. I tell you, if I didn't have that job, I think I'd die. (laughs) I think I caught... like a disease, just sitting in my apartment. I know I feel bad because the cleaning that was supposed to come today, and it would have been I better. But she's now she's coming tomorrow because she, she's like,
0: I'm getting off the plane from Florida at eight <laughs> o'clock and I cannot.
2: And I'm like, shut up. When are you gonna come? Do
0: you use the same cleaning lady as all the people in here? Or?
2: No, I've used. Uh, I think she only cleans one other person in this building. Oh. But I've used it for like fifteen to twenty years. Oh wow. She's not very good, but she's hot. Like I've asked her out before and she's trustworthy. Okay. Yeah. So that's the thing because the last cleaning that they had before I got her stole my liquor, very expensive. Like I had the Johnny Walker blue Ooh. and ties. And then I called her on it and I said, I'm gonna call the police. She goes, No, my husband has a problem. Please don't do that <laughs> Everybody sounds the same, but um sorry, that's Insulting to you? No, it's okay. No, it's my favorite thing to do.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> no, listen. My name is Ashley. I don't know what I'm doing. Here. No one in my family talks like that at you all. You talk
2: exactly like that. No, it's exactly. Don't. You don't know what you sound like. That's all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hello, my name is Ashley. <laughs> I like to go to the Museum of Moving Image. Hello. <laughs>
2: um. Yeah. So on Christmas Day, I went to Michael Che's house.
0: Ooh.
2: Uh, he's really nice. Who is that? He's does <laughs> the news on Saturday Night Live. Oh. And he's really nice. And he came to my party after the Christmas Carol, by the way. Thank <laughs> you for there. coming. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, by the way, folks, uh, those of you who came to the Christmas Carol, thank you very much. I think it was successful. Um, I was nervous about the length, but I think the length was good, right? It was great. Yeah. Um. I decided not to. I mean, I just did stand up and then I just went for the show. Mm-hmm. And I think it went really good um Natterman was good yeah. uh I think I did a good job I think I did an okay job uh the singing was fun yeah, was the great. songs were fun yeah. uh that girl Bethel the, the blonde girl mm-hmm. who was clearly a professional mm-hmm. I mean you know I don't even you're like who's she I'm like the one who's the professional yeah I mean she was amazing she she was so amazing she was doing the songs the way they are in Mr. Magoo like the the exact voices yeah. and stuff she was so good it was so obvious she was a professional and everyone else was just a comedian <laughs> Los Angeles. Oh, cool. But she's been living here for years and she's a real actress. Mm-hmm. And I, u- I use her in anything that I can. I'd forgotten about her because <laughs> she um, is kind of married, but she's not married, but they live together with this dork. So uh, <laughs> I always forget about it. Even though he's very nice too, but I hate that she's with him because, you know, I like her. Yeah. And we'd be perfect together. Uh, <laughs> but um, I used her in my Cars movie, uh, the Turbocharged, the movie me and Memo made. Um, so because she's a pleasure. And if I ever have a TV show, there are certain people, you know, that are great to use that can just you can tell them what to do and yeah. they just do it. And she came with costumes I and prepared that. to work, you know, and uh, so I'm always nervous I didn't press record because <laughs> uh, then we'd miss all this gold. Um, but yeah it was really fun And then there was a dance party after Which you didn't stay for Because I know you got to go mm-hmm. and You got to travel all the way far So it was th- th- Thank you so much for coming Yeah you're welcome But when people don't come And you know I'm not talking to Lee and Allen at this point Because mm-hmm. What happens to me I'm, And I know it's a I, I know I need to get over it But at this point I'm clearly not getting over it I'm yeah. too old to get over th- it I
0: mean that's kind of something you don't get over Not like when I didn't you answer the phone for a few hours and But uh,
2: here's why For me When I know people are coming You know how you pretend when you're a kid, or maybe not a girl, but a boy will pretend like in Risky Business like you're in a rock and roll band? Mm -hmm. And you always pretend, I'm in a rock and roll band and and everybody is, and I can picture all my friends in the crowd. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of still like that for me. (laughs) So when I know people are coming, when I'm going over the script, I'm thinking like, oh, Alan will like this. Lee will like this. I can't wait for them to see this part. So when they call me and tell me that they're not coming, especially an hour before the show, which is definitely when I do not want to hear it, tell me yeah. after. Um, and they had a very good excuse. It's just a bag of shit because they asked me to bring somebody and I bought the guy and then they didn't show up and mm-hmm. they were doing a closing on a new apartment. But you don't know a closing is going to take a long time. <laughs> That's a full day thing. Yeah, It just really makes me upset and I take it. And, you know, if you say don't take it personally – Don't say that.
0: I feel like you're handling it well.
2: I'm handling it horribly. I haven't talked to them. I should probably just forgive them. I will, but I'm angry. That girl Michelle downstairs didn't because she told me she was sick. But I completely take it personally. I know she was sick, really sick. I don't care. I don't know why. You're the only person (laughs) in my life that never lets me down.
0: She's back.
2: Oh, I know. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were allergic.
0: No, no. I was looking for her. She never came out.
2: Yeah. Oh, boy. Look how fat she is.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say she gained a few.
2: No, I was talking about your mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, well, like I said, over the week we we did nothing but nothing. eating. And you know what though? I tried I'm trying like to not to spend any money because, you know, I told you yeah. like I, I gotta pay out the football pool and I'm bad at finances. <laughs> it's a disaster. <laughs> so I tried not to spend so much money. I want to put like a little halt. So I said I'm gonna make a lasagna so I can eat it over the oh, week. The days. Yeah. And I went to the grocery store, which I, I think I've told everybody, else, This fucking stinks here. It stinks living in Manhattan. And I bought the groceries for the lasagna and a loaf of bread that I could eat in the mornings before work. <laughs> Not the whole loaf, but, you know, a slice of toast. Mm-hmm. $80. $80 for...
0: You're lying.
2: No, for noodles, cheese, and some sauce. $80. And, um... That's what it would have cost me to order every meal, $20 a piece. Yeah. If I, which I ate it for four times, and that's what it would have cost me. Like, I didn't save any money at all. And that really pisses me off.
1: That's crazy. Why should
2: making a lasagna cost 80 bucks? I mean, like I said, all right, so I, maybe I bought some, I bought other stuff to eat after, like some chocolate pudding. That's
0: kind of insane. $80. I spent. Yeah. I have the,
2: the bill here. You can look at it. I'm not crazy. but I just it really just it was the ingredients to make a lasagna it's just Mm, cheese and sauce really makes me angry I have to get over it
0: you can't get over it because you wouldn't spend that much up in Westchester well
2: that's what I do New Year's was a horrible time for me you had a great time you were hanging out with the the Knicks which is what I expected you to say (laughs) like even if I didn't know I'm like what did you do hang out with the Knicks or something you're like yeah I did how did you know (laughs) Um, and you went to the One Oak which is a classic place for um, I've been there before too I think it was me, Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> uh, my friend Greg, and seriously, like it's like that's where they go.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. I haven't been there. Oh no, here. I went with
2: um, what's that? Jim Caviezel. I remember I didn't know how to spell his name. He was in that show, missing. Per- no, the person of interest.
0: No, I don't know it. Uh, it was on
2: t- TV for. It just ended like last year. Mm. And he's been like a bunch of movies and stuff. I remember I don't know why we were hanging out with him. It's my friend Greg Bellow. He's amazing. He's, um, he knows everybody. He's one of those guys I was talking about on the show that wears a white t-shirt all the time. Mm-hmm. And he just is a schmooze genius. There's three guys I know like that that are just schmooze artists. And all they do is wear a white t-shirt. And they know everyone. That's cool. It's him, this guy Seth Herzog, who warms up the Jimmy Fallon show. Okay. And uh, Michael Payne's who's an actor. They're all actors and they're just really good at schmoozing. (laughs) And like, I'm talking about like, not just schmoozing and be like, hey, we should hang out. Like the actors, the celebrities are calling them to be like, hey, what do you want to do tonight? Yeah. They're really good. I don't know. I'm fascinated by them.
0: So you had a good time?
2: No, not particularly. I hate that place. (laughs) I don't look like you, so I wasn't having that good a time. Oh, no. Did you know, I was just reading um, a New Year's there were twins that were born a year apart. What? Do you understand? No. Exactly. It's quite fascinating. Never thought about this. One was born on December 31st at 1151 p.m. and the other one was born 10 minutes later at 1201 on January 1st. Isn't that cool? <laughs>
0: that is
2: cool. It's like you could say to your twin brother or sister, you're like, ah, you're, you're a year older than me, and you know, <laughs> or something. Yeah. I mean, how cool is that? That they're basically like, what were you born? You know, 2016. When were you born? 2017. <laughs> but I thought you guys are twins. Yeah. Listen, how can we explain this again? I don't know. It's just kind of <laughs> That it's is It's kind of so interesting, cool. yeah. Um, also, I'm just wrapping up some stuff since we've been off for a while. Um, Del- da Silvanos closed, which, um, as you may or may not know, my uh, listeners, you won't know, uh, it was a restaurant down in the village, very popular restaurant, um, mm-hmm. again, with celebrities. But me, Artie, Dave, and Russ ate there for Artie's birthday last October. We spent $1,000 and none of us drank. <laughs> you wow. know, so how's that even possible? And know. the thing is, it's not known as a super expensive place. So, you know, the How chicken parm was delicious. But not that much. <laughs> 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 we think we got swindled.
0: You definitely got swindled. Right.
2: Because we were just ordering a whole bunch of stuff and, you know, we're just going for it and we didn't care. But uh, the bill was definitely $1,000. Wow. And I think I only bought 150 with me, so those guys have been making fun of me ever since. Like, no, don't, don't worry about it, Jessica. You're, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I feel like a bag of crap. Because I'm so good about paying for other people. Mm-hmm. It's like funny. I'm like, but... I always figured the person who makes the most money should pay for everybody. Very and true. that's why I usually pay. I'm usually with everybody who makes less. So oh. that's a, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, uh, I told, we always have a group text, me, Russ and Artie and Dave. Mm-hmm. And I said, Oh, D- Del Savano's closed. We're going to have to find a new place. And I <laughs> immediately goes, Oh geez, where am I going to spend $800 to find <laughs> a chicken parm now? You <laughs> know, <In a laughs> And he's like, not exaggerating, you know, like it was so messed Literally. up. Um, Okay, so let's get to uh, the point I had here. Just I wanted to show you this. What I've been doing on Sundays lately is um, for some reason I've been getting the daily news. I get the New York Post delivered, but I've been here? getting, yeah, but on Sundays I don't get anything delivered. So I get, I actually, it makes me get out of the house and go get the daily news. I've been enjoying reading the comics again. As I <laughs> don't want to reach the o- old comics. Now, since the late 80s, I've always said, you know, Sunday comics are just fucking horrible. I mean, they're horrible. Ever since Calvin and Hobbes went away, they're horrible. I mean, they're not funny. They're not insightful. They're I never the worst. understand them. Right. Well, because they stink. But people make a fortune from them. Now, I bought you an example. Look at this one called Mutts. You think this guy put any effort into it? And he makes a fortune. It's a, a cat and a dog. And what's the cat? What does it say? Can you read it?
0: Out with the old
2: Right. And what's he carrying?
0: A number six. Right. <laughs> and then it says, and with the new, he's carrying a number seven. What the hell?
2: And then it just says 2017. It's four panels, and that's all it says. And that guy makes like $100 million But one on of the that.
0: panels just has like a dog alone, like yeah. just staring yeah. into the... That box. is a complete, like,
2: I don't, I'm i really tired today. That's my plan for the New Year's Sunday. edition. <laughs> this guy makes a fortune. I looked him up. Okay, Mm -hmm. this guy's name, it's called Mutz. Mm -hmm. His name is uh, uh, Patrick McDonald. Funny thing is, we went to the same high school. What? He's older than me, but yeah, he's from Edison. (laughs) Yeah, and and then now we live in like Elizabeth, New Jersey, which is like the worst place on the planet to live. But for this stupid, this is a horrible cartoon. Yeah, horrible. Right. But yet... This guy's won the National Cartoonist Society's Reuben for Cartoonist of the Year Award in 1999 and the Society's Award for Comic Strip of the Year in 96. And he stinks. (laughs) He's horrible. And it just, I'm fascinated by it because this guy's making a fortune. It's so very difficult. Years ago when comics meant something, it was very difficult to get. it. When you're in, you're in for life. Yeah. So the people that do like Blondie, his kids took over. Oh. People that do Hagar the Horrible, which is still in the goddamn paper and still unfunny. Their kids took over. Uh, Charles Schultz, the Peanuts. Mm-hmm. His kids, I mean, they will it because it's so difficult to get your cartoon into the paper. Years ago when people were reading papers, go. they. I mean, it's fucked up. It's like a birthright. Mm-hmm. And the only one that's so funny, and this brings us up to what we're going to talk about today, is that Calvin and Hobbes was one of the greatest cartoons of all time i don't know if you've ever heard of it because they stopped before you were born but in the 80s it was like the greatest book it was about a kid and his stuffed tiger mm-hmm. that you know came to life when no one was around okay and of course we're it was basically his imagination yeah but they were like best friends and um and it was just an amazing car- cartoon
0: and it was in the paper
2: yes and then there's a whole bunch of books. You'd really like it. It's a really good comic strip. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy you one for your birthday. Okay. In April. Um, when you turn 30. <laughs> I was going ahead. Um, so he was angry at the publishers. He was mad at his... Con- has um, said that Universal kept putting pressure on him and said he had si- had signed his contract without fully perusing it because as a new artist he was happy to find a syndicate willing to give him a chance now this is something we're going to talk about today mm-hmm. this guy calvin and hobbes it's a great comic most of my listeners know what it is and he left he left the comic where he, he stopped the, the one of the most successful comics since the peanuts he left where charles schultz should have left because his comic was horrible mm-hmm. after a while he left because he had he was like sick of his contract, he was sick of the people. All of these people we're gonna to mention today signed contracts when they were eighteen, nineteen. Wow. And then got really angry because they signed ridiculous contracts and the people wouldn't let them out. And these people that have these contracts, like Universal in this case, and then we're gonna talk about Sony and Warner Brothers, would not let the artist do what an artist needs to do. Wow. And we all suffer from it because they suck. <laughs> And um, it's really, and it continues. And that's what makes me, it's an it interesting uh, it's correlation in that this guy was angry. Also, um, so we all lose because somebody wouldn't let an artist be do what he needs to do. And this guy really left. Mm-hmm. He didn't do anything else. Like he really retired. Like, he, maybe he does some other stuff or whatever, <laughs> but he doesn't do comic strips anymore. Whereas, like, this other guy, uh, Burke, Burke Brethid, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he used to do this strip called Bloom County, which was also very popular. When comic strips meant something, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the 80s, these were all very popular. And he was so full of himself because the comic strip was so popular, he says, I'm not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do this new one called Outland. And after Outland became not successful he did this thing called bloom county i think i mentioned i wasn't sure if i mentioned Mm -hmm. the actual comic. so he stopped it and he did this thing called outland when outland clearly wasn't working and people were furious that he just stopped and went to another one he put all the characters from blue county they all appeared and you know sooner or later in outland because this guy realized he fucked up yeah and he ruined the cash cow but the waterson was a true artist and was screwed by this kind of thing now uh, this leads us to George Michael and Prince. George Michael, who died
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, this week or last week, right? On Christmas Day, Christmas Eve.
1: Uh-huh.
2: You know who he was, right? No. For real? Seriously, oh, this is fantastic. Like no, no, don't. This is great.
0: I want to see what he looks
2: like. Uh,
0: uh, okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll know who he is by his face.
2: I love that you don't know. This is perfect. All I'm right. So tell I will look him up first. Oh, no, you can look him up, what he looks like. Um, well here um, This you'll know. Oh wait
0: I already know my, my Was he a singer? Yeah he did this My mom
2: You probably know this from the season One of the greatest Christmas songs ever yeah. Up there with Mariah Carey's Which is the best Christmas song ever Do you agree with Mariah Carey being the best song Even uh, though she's Christmas, a dope? Yeah, yeah 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 This is a great Christmas song <laughs> He's got a great singing voice.
1: Yeah. That's so funny. It's
0: a
2: great song. No, yeah,
0: I know who he is now. I just it's, like, so
2: it's a great Christmas song because it's, um, it's a little sad. Mm-hmm. And most Christmas songs are really happy. Mm-hmm. And this one has no joy. At all. And, uh, but it's still Good. ironically uplifting. Which made him a musical genius. Yeah. And he was a musical genius. He was really good. Now, he started out with the worst song I've ever heard in my life, which I wasn't even going to play because it, it's, it bothers me to this very day. Do you know this one?
0: It sounds familiar.
2: It's called Jitterbug. No, I'm just kidding.
0: It's like it was part of something.
1: You don't know it?
2: I'm just cutting it because when I was in college, this song came out. Okay. And the video is the gayest video you'll ever <laughs> see in your life. I want you to look it up when we leave. Okay. There, he's in this white shirt that says, choose life, oh. and then short shorts. <laughs> you know, It's him and this other dude, Andrew Ridgely, and they're a group called Wham. And it's the gayest song I've ever heard with the gayest video. And I was a DJ on the radio back in college, and um, I said, "This guy is a flamer. I didn't say homo, but I was like, "This guy's a flamer." You call mm-hmm. him a flamer. And this girl got so angry at me. No, he's not. <laughs> and she slapped me in the face. And then about a year later, or six months later, she came up to me and apologized because she's like, uh, "You know, I saw that video. I see what you're saying now. <laughs> the guy was t- clearly gay, and the song was so gay because this one, I think, there's word's coming up." <laughs> I, I don't know what the line is. Like, My best friend told me what you did last night, oh, but yeah. then he also mentions Doris Day. Who mentions that if they're a straight human being, right? <laughs> so I mean when you know, I didn't care. It was just the song to me was gay, so I didn't like it because it was just too gay mm-hmm. for you. Know, I love show tunes. And this song was too gay. <laughs> <laughs> and and the video was so gay. That it just didn't work for me. I still don't like the song at all. Like so much so, like I wasn't even going to play it because it bothers me. And then he had this other song which kind of put him to this new level. Mm -hmm. Which was a solo song even though he was with Wham. Everything back then was different. Like they would release stuff. They were British. so when they would release stuff in Britain, we would have different things here. So they were called Wham in Britain. But here they were called Wham UK. Because I guess there was another group called Wham. With the Beatles it's the same thing. Their first album over there, we didn't, we got something different from their first album. Okay. We got, I think we got like Meet the Beatles where they, their first album might've been, I don't know if it wasn't Rubber Soul, I don't know what it was, but we get, we always got something different back then. Just, I don't know. They would release things differently. So he did this song called Careless Whisper, which they said was Wham, but it was technically just George Michael. Yeah. And it's really good. It's Actually, it sucks. I I fucking hated it. (laughs) I mean, I hated it. I mean, it was just so gay. But it was a smash. I mean, it made a fortune. Um, right, right. And he actually... So he had this other guy that he worked with. Did you ever see the movie Music and Lyrics? No. With um, Hugh Grant? They make fun of like that they were a group like this. Uh-huh. And then Hugh Grant plays the other guy. Whereas this guy, George Michael, went to this level of success that is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Unprecedented. You know, like Prince success. And... Um, the other guy nobody's ever heard of you know what I mean I <laughs> yeah. mean the poor guy you know like it's like you feel sorry for him it's like sad but he's but still but part of it he was they broke up oh okay and then and, and, and the great thing is this guy uh, George Michael was such a good like writer and stuff he made a song and said we're leaving this is the song we're leaving <laughs> with and it's a really good song this was their last song to their fans we're breaking up I'm going a new direction but they did like a farewell song which is kind of cool and it was that a good amazing. song I liked this song a lot actually Still gay but yeah, super. But that's what their band was And Andrew Ridgeley Turns out wasn't gay
1: yeah.
0: I
2: thought for sure they were just Lovers <laughs> It only says yeah yeah That's all he did Are you serious Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No
1: just,
2: okay. let's, go, let's move on I, It's got a good groove in me I just remember these as a kid but I remember liking this more than the other two. The
1: other.
2: I like that bassline. So so then he went into a solo career. But um it's funny, but So wait, it's a uh, I have a, just wanna, I just want to I want to get it right. Um I'm looking at Selena.
0: She's, yeah, no, I'm watching that too.
2: <laughs> um Okay, so first of all, that last Christmas song, that would have gone, that would have, it didn't make it to number one.
0: Okay.
2: First of all, he gave all the proceeds to Ethiopian Famine because at that time when it was released in 85, first it sold 1.8 million copies as of June 2016. Wow. It's the biggest, biggest selling single in UK chart history to not reach number one. But the reason it didn't reach number one is because there was another Christmas song out that beat it that he actually was part of uh, which is this one which you probably know. I mean they play it every year. And this was made to feed the hungry. Do you know it? Really? This is great. (laughs) It's exciting that you don't know. I'm teaching you.
1: Yeah. Christmas
0: time
2: I'm sure you've heard of it. Once we get to the chorus, they play it every year. The
0: chorus is. I mean, what you can't
2: I mean. be sitting in a doctor's office and not hear it. You know what I mean? Seriously, this is uh, the guy from Culture Club, uh, Boy George. Oh really? It's like a, a bunch of celebrities, and here's George Michael coming. Not, George Michael comes in third. That's a big deal because it's every celebrity, including Sting and oh. Bono. This is George Michael. Still don't recognize it? Let's see if we get to the chorus. That's Simon LeBond from Duran Duran. I know that one. You know Duran Duran? This is
1: awesome.
2: <laughs> There's Sting. You know him. Yeah, I know him. And here comes Bono. He's coming up. You'll recognize him. I think here it comes. Never heard of it, huh? Really? It's really surprising, not because of your age or anything, just because they play it every goddamn year.
0: Yeah, but I don't really listen to the radio.
2: Well, they play it in offices and and Tommy Bahamas and bars you work in, you know?
0: That's how oblivious I am.
2: Wait, This isn't the true chorus. It's coming up. This is it. Nothing, huh? Wow, that's great. I mean, that's (laughs) good for you that you avoided it because. uh, But it was a really big song, and they brought all these celebrities together, and then the U.S. tried to duplicate that with "We Are the World." Did you ever hear that one? Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, and that was a bag of shit. It made a lot of money, but this one is a really good song that people like. But they play "We Are the World" at Christmas time because it was, you know, it's around the same thing. So anyway. the guy from, I was just learning about this, I didn't know, and I think my listeners will be the uh, fun to know this. First of all, I thought for sure Andrew Ridgely, the guy with George Michael, was gay. Mm-hmm. But it turned out he married one of the girls from this group. This was a huge hit. Because it's going all the way back to 1985. Here's Banana with Venus. It's an all-girl girl group. Yeah. I mean, you, must, you don't hear any of these songs? I know you don't listen to the radio, but like I said, when you're in bars and stuff.
0: Never. Well, this
2: they, they use for sampling all the time. Yeah, it sounds horrible song, but um, I found out that these girls actually wrote some of their own songs. I thought for sure they uh, they were the Spice Girls of their time, you know, and they had this one, which was pretty good. They had a couple of hits, you oh, know. Yeah. What but was the name of the group? Bananarama. <laughs> and they were in that uh, Do They Know It's Christmas, too. They were also British, but Andrew originally married the hot one from here, I think, uh, or she looks good now. Yeah. I like this one. I like this one better than the Venus one because the Venus one was like overplayed. I like this
0: one out of all of them better. Really? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I like the other one was like overplayed a little bit. But anyway, so George Michael went solo and he came up with one of the greatest albums of all time Mm -hmm. because he was that talented. He really was a major musical talent. He came up with this one. Which is a legendary song. Which maybe let's see if you've heard it.
1: Well, it nice you have? Yeah, yeah, I heard
2: it. The video still I got may be a little gay, you know, for uh, <laughs> His voice a man. Sounds... Yeah, but. You have to appreciate the musical genius of it. It's really good, and it's just as good as a uh, Princess Princess Kiss. Yeah. You know, because it's very much like it. It's broken down with you know just one or two instruments. It's cool. to stop it there Mm -hmm. Um, so he had that one on this one album and then this was actually my favorite song off that album I can't even I don't know why I loved it it was like a jazz this is like a very theaterish tune yeah but like he found a way to make a new like 1940s like torch song and that's why (laughs) I liked it he found a good in between
0: it is like jazzy. a jazz, yeah, yeah. That's why I liked it. It yeah. sounds very retro,
2: but I, I loved this. I always wanted to sing this song, <laughs> like in the '80s, before they even had karaoke. I would tell my old girlfriend. She knew I loved this. She's like, I know you want to be singing "Kissing a Fool." at you know at the restaurant. <laughs> Yeah, I could picture myself sitting on a stool, Pizza. you know, with a uh, spotlight on me, just with the microphone, the smoky, you know, people could smoke in clubs be like, so thank you, everybody. This is called Kissing a Fool. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think I could sing it. Like, I mean, I don't. It's complicated. You like lip singing. Well, I tried it once and it's it's much more complicated yeah, than you mm-hmm. think.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you
2: like that song at all?
0: I like the beat.
2: Do you know? Have you ever heard this one? And this was um, off, I think his. Was this off this album? I can't remember, but.
0: Never heard of
2: it. Very popular.
0: You know, it's funny because my mom couldn't believe that I didn't know who he was either. So you're not the only one. Oh, I
2: don't care. I think no, I think it's great. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm not not believing it. Why would you? He hadn't written a song since you were born. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I never liked this song, but it was a very big hit, and it was on the soundtrack of Beverly Hills Cop 2. I know
0: that one.
2: And why it was on the soundtrack, no one knows, (laughs) because uh, Betty Murphy has sex with no one in the movie. There's not even any sexual tension in the movie, unless you're talking about the sexual tension between him and Judge Reinhold. Because otherwise, seriously, there's, there's no reason to put a song called I Want Your Sex in Beverly Hills Cop 2 but that soundtrack was really good mm-hmm. and, and it helped it because George Michael would not do promotion for his next album which was called um, Listen Without Prejudice Volume 1 which was um, you know a real like uh, it, ha- it had this this was the only song off it that got it. and it's really good but it was more personal And the record company hated it and he wouldn't do promotion for it either because he was just angry at the record company which brings me back to what we were talking about before where he wasn't allowed to be an artist like he's just a true artist and he is a true artist he was helping other musicians you want to hear the funniest thing and you won't know who this is either but for my listeners I'm telling you this Yeah. he helped this fucking horrible piece of shit song but we all worship this dude and this is the worst song ever and he did backup vocals for it <laughs> nobody's ever heard this before I'm positive all my listeners have never heard this wait till I tell you who it is you will die actually you will not know who it is don't blame yourself <laughs> blame your mother your mother would know this song stinks There's no way anybody knows it. There's no way there's anybody in my listening area that's saying, I know what it is. It's, it's impossible. It's the first time I've ever heard it.
1: As you stand at the I'm moving door. on. So 80s. So. Yeah.
2: I'm just waiting to hear it. Uh, George Michael's in there somewhere, but it's not worth listening to. It's David Cassidy. <laughs> David Cassidy was a member of the Partridge Family, and this was a song. And George Michael worshipped him, which makes so much sense that the gay guy would worship David <laughs> Cassidy because we all worship David Cassidy. But and he was gorgeous, and he sang really cool songs, so it makes sense. It would be like me um, growing up, uh, you know, and you know, just if I was as famous as he was, and he was my idol, like wanting to do a song with blondie you know who was like so hot and so cool yeah. or or being a young kid and just growing up and wanting to do a sh- song with cheryl Crow, whatever you want <laughs> because david cassidy was like that cool back then you could see how he, oh, a gay kid would worship that uh, then him and elton john became friends and he had this actual he took an elton john song that was so pop it was probably his like biggest hit and he made it better and it's like a legendary he did it in, like 1991 Again, all before you were born, so you wouldn't know it. But it's, this was like a really popular Elton John song, but he made it better. And now it's like a, it's a legendary song they play all the time on the radio too. This version, this live version. It's called Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. But the best part is when he, wait, wait, let me see if I can get to the best part. And it's, the, it's, the, it's my favorite part of the song. I do it, I actually say it in the shower sometimes. I just go, wait, I can get to it before I say it. I know everybody knows where it's coming. Okay, I
1: think. This the one. It's coming up.
2: Just wait it out with me. It's totally worth it. My favorite part, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Elton John. I say it in the shower sometimes, I don't know why, and this is even weirder
1: because weird.
2: they're both gay. <laughs> I was ladies and gentlemen, that. Mr. Elton John, but this was huge for him, too. So he, he had a lot of smash hits, mm-hmm. but again, it comes down to the record company. He signed a contract when he was 18, 19. And he signed a 15-year contract. Wow. Now, the funny thing is, and this, this is what kills artists. When I auditioned for Saturday Night Live many years ago, and I don't know whether I've talked about it on the podcast or not, it was the year that Tracy Morgan got the part in the show. And I think I have mentioned that they were looking for a black guy. It yeah. was very clear to me because uh, when we were performing, it was white, black, white, black, white, black auditioners. And the lineup for all the comedy clubs was always white, 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 black, white, 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 black. So you knew (laughs) something was up. Um, As as bad as that might sound, those are the facts. Yeah. Um, But before we went on stage, we had to sign five year contracts with Lauren Michaels uh, that, you know, if we, uh, I could see my hair uh, standing (laughs) up on my headphones. (laughs) That if we um, got the show, we had to sign the contract. It showed your salary, it was a set in stone contract. Stone clad five year contract, and it showed you what you made in five years. Like, I remember showing it to the girls in my office, and they started being like, Hello, <laughs> you know, like, because it was like really great money the fifth year. Like, first year was like, What? Because Phil Hartman used to say, Is like, I wasn't making money people were making on sitcoms till like my fifth year or so, because then you were making normal television money. But they had you by the balls, and you couldn't audition until you, and it was down to 12 of us. Wow. And you couldn't go on stage until you signed that paper. What are you going
1: to do?
0: I mean, at that point, I'd sign the paper. Of course, you would. Yeah. You're,
2: well, how old was I? 32? Whatever? I mean, how, uh, what, I'm 33? I'm, I'm not going to sign that paper. Are you kidding? I'm like, fuck that. Of course, I'm going to sign. So. I want to do Saturday Night Live. Now, I've heard, but I don't have any proof, that it's now a 12 year contract that involves your movies it makes a lot of sense if you think about it because all lauren seems to have in all the movies that go out on Saturday life this is when wayne's world was happening and stuff and they were making the characters they also had this long drawn out deal that i've heard had become 12 years wow and you sign it before you audition so what are you going to do so we have another example of somebody signing a contract a 15-year contract when you're 18 years old yeah, I signed because what's he going to do? Sign it. Right. But, unfor- and he said, and it's so funny, he said, he said, Michael described his situation as professional slavery because his contract required that he produce music and cede the copyright to Sony for many years, leaving him no control over how the music would be marketed nor placing a reciprocal requirement that the label invest in promotion. Um, He said he was a slave.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Prince... Had the exact same problem with Warner <laughs> Brothers. He put "slave" on his face. He wrote it on his face when he performed. He signed the contract when he was nineteen. So all these artists were screwed by legal work, including you know this really good cartoonist yeah. Bill Watterson from Calvin and Hobbes. They all got screwed by the man and these horrible people that I know they're just trying to make money, but they've ruined. It for all of us, yeah. Because George Michael, after the thing, he didn't do anything. He made a couple albums. It just wasn't the same. His heart wasn't in it anymore. We lost his best years because of contract and legal disputes, which makes this why people hate lawyers. Mm -hmm. And the exact same thing happened to Prince. He left. He did all that music at home. Did I mean I don't know anybody that knows a Prince song after he left his actual label. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean he just it wasn't the same. He was able to do whatever he wants. And he had the artistry, but some he was angry. Yeah, and uh, we lost the best parts. I also bring up um, again, I because I was as soon as I heard George Michael died, I thought the exact same thing. Him and Prince, look at that—they died the same year. Both had contract, and they and they could have provided so much more music if the if the people were just polite yeah. and just said, you know. I'm sure we can work something out. You know what they'll work out? They'll work out (laughs) deals for fucking basketball losers. Fucking Carmelo Anthony will make $40 million. They'll change his contract around to make him happy. And he's a fucking idiot that doesn't know how to shoot a basket. (laughs) Think about baseball players. Those people, and I've talked about this before, they only do their job one third of the time. Most of their batting averages are 300 is a decent batting average. Which means that's a percentage of a thousand. Mm-hmm. Which means they're only doing their job one third of the time, and they're getting hundred million dollars, you know, over a period of time—twenty million dollars a year. So they want to help their stupid sports people, which provide a minor bit of entertainment. Unless you're Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, and you're providing many years of entertainment, but they're not artists, and there's nothing. You know, it's not like you can you know, like it ten years later. You know, no not not many people sit back and watch Super Bowl three over well, three you do because it's Joe Namath and it's awesome. But no, I'm saying you're not gonna go back and watch another Super Bowl. You're gonna go back and listen to music. You're gonna go back and read Calvin and Hobbes. You're gonna go back and look at a painting, and yet we don't take care of these artists. We take care of these ridiculous fucking douchebag sports figures who are (laughs) a pain in the ass and assholes. And that's who we're fucking giving all the money to. And you can't figure out a contract dispute to make sure Prince, who possibly is the greatest musical genius of, of since Mozart, <laughs> and, you, and you're not going to work out a deal with this guy. It makes me angry. This also happened to Woody Allen, but not so much where I remember he left MGM. Yeah. And uh, Spielberg picked him up and he's like, just work with us. You know, we'll let you do what you want. And so for a while he was with uh, Orion Pictures, which was Spielberg. And it's like he got it. He's like, well, let's just let him do what he wants to do. The guy's an artist. So let's just give him whatever he wants. Because that's what you do when you know you're working with genius. And I also bring up this guy um, who I love, this guy Tom Schultz. You don't know him and it's okay. (laughs) I don't even think your mother would know this one. Um, he was in this awesome band called Boston, which was one of, you know, if you're a young boy growing up in Jersey and, like, um, this song comes up. It's the fucking best. <laughs> in the, in like, late 70s. So those guitars, what? You know you want to be driving in your car and this will go to the Seven Eleven. Forget about it. <laughs> you know you want the windows open. Top down. Down, looking for the ladies. Well, we didn't have, couldn't afford the top down, but oh, okay. listen to these guitars. They're unbelievable. This is one guy. There's another guy singing. This guy, uh, I think his name is Fred Delft. but he was amazing. His voice was amazing. He just, he died too. Yeah.
1: Do
2: you like this at all?
0: This kind of music. Yeah.
2: Do you find it interesting? Do you think it's good. I, I, I totally understand. If you yeah. don't, I mean, this is not from your generation or your time or your ethnicity. <laughs> but I mean, do you find this entertaining in any way, shape or form?
0: Not this kind of, uh, I guess you call it rock and roll. It is rock and roll. It's complete yeah. rock and
2: roll. Uh, and they also, I mean, they're so good. I mean, I love mm-hmm. it. And he has this layered guitar thing, which he could barely put together in concert which also made his label angry, too. You know, it was hard to put together. Mm-hmm. This is another song off the album, which was one of my favorites. It's the first to listen to that guitar. You know, this is a Jersey Boy shit.
1: Yeah.
2: This is one of my favorite songs. One of my favorite songs. <laughs> I love the lyrics, too.
1: We were just another band out of
0: Boston. On the road
2: in town, of Yeah, it's a story about the road, man. It
0: sounds like a. <laughs>
2: Every band's gotta have one.
1: Yeah. Though we didn't have much money, we barely made enough to survive. But when we got on stage, we got ready to play, came die.
2: Here comes my favorite line, I think. They talk about a... they tell the story about a rock and roll band like, and then they get discovered but it's all in the lyrics it's, it's all written by like this, this one dude yeah that's why I like it he says I'm waiting for the I'm going to go forward
1: I hear it Boss, I think this
2: band's out of sight. Like he's talking about like this guy who like discovers them it says, boss, I, I I love the lyrics. Yeah. It's just exciting. I don't know. And this was their first album, and I don't know, it came out in the 70s, right? Or late 70s. And so again, this guy who made one of the greatest debut albums of all time. Every song is a hit, if you're my age, you know? <laughs> uh, and it was amazing. i never heard guitars like this before. This guy, Tom Schultz, he's a genius. But, and the way they, d- they um, the, he fi- the record label insisted that Schultz re-record demo tapes in a professional studio because he had demo tapes. But Schultz wanted the record to be recorded in his basement studio so that he could work at his own pace because mm-hmm. he was an artist, again, the label agreed and offered to split the producer's royalty with Schultz. Whatever, blah blah blah. Um, but here's what happened. Okay. Uh, um, all right. I. Oh, the legal trouble. He had legal trouble again, and it slowed the progress toward the compilation. Where's the most important thing? They the the deal was. Um, I think they made a deal to do ten albums in five years. Where did I write that? Which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And they said they, a breach of contract for failing to deliver a new Boston album on time. This was for the for their second album came out three years later, which is back then artists would come out with an album a year. Yeah. So it was really, long. but the guy wanted to make it perfect. Now, granted, I get the record company in this case. Yeah. They're so like, dude, you know, three you years. gotta work with us. But they they let him do it uh-huh. because they're like it's awesome and he came up with an awesome second album which is rare because these guys could have been one hit wonders mm-hmm. like uh, this band Asia or something their second album was horrible <laughs> I like it but nobody else did and then he came up with this was amazing the opening this the album
1: I'm telling you you know Jersey 80s I feel like I'm driving with a
0: sunglasses
2: I know you don't like it, but I love it. I absolutely think it's like one of some of the greatest songs I ever, you know, I mean, this is just what I like a lot. So. Then they got into a fight because the next album was, you know, they needed a third album because, I mean, these guys were very, very successful. And they were in breach of contract because they didn't come out with the third album on time. Now, it took yeah, the next album took six years (laughs) to do. So in this case, they're kind of right. Yeah. Because you got to produce, but because of legal troubles, it took six six years. But then when the album came out, again it was good it was a hit it wasn't like the other ones but the first song was so popular and I loved it back then I think it came out in like 86 85 this was the first song it was this huge smash little power ballad action
1: Baby,
2: far, so far have you ever heard this
1: no I don't think I could handle what it is. Every day knowing I love you. And I I'm getting too close again.
2: It's Connie Amanda. tell you how popular this song was now this is their third album after they still had trouble but they were at least able to make albums and after this it was over maybe they made a fourth some ad. then then the guy just gave up yeah the guy just gave up um this one is a tough one because you can blame the record company because you know this guy was truly an artist but unfortunately this kind of artist you got to produce at some point you know if you're gonna make a stand you know like yeah. i mean he was they were giving what he wanted but then he, you know, sooner or later, I mean, within a year or two, you, you got to put out something fresh. <laughs> so you know, you can't really money. blame you taking their money. So this one, I, I, I let it go. But this guy was a true artist and mm-hmm. he came up with a new style of guitaring and, you know, uh, amazing vocals by this dude and everything. This song was so popular. And I know you don't know it. This is why I'm explaining it to
1: mm-hmm.
2: you. Um, I'm friends with this girl, Amanda, and she's named after this song. No. Yeah. She was, I guess she was born when this song came out. Okay. This is a girl that I've helped. She's um, is one of those sports announcer girls. Mm-hmm. Um, a really pretty blonde girl who was in um, uh, Puppet Picks. Uh, <laughs> but I helped her on her way to, now she um, works with uh, uh, Fox Sports, I think. Oh, cool. And. I I know. It's amazing. Like, I met her at a restaurant in Del Frisco's, and she was so pretty. I'm like, I'll help you with whatever. She's <laughs> yeah. like, I want to get into sports management or, or sports. And, that. and I'm like, I think I can help you. <laughs> and then I, uh, you know, called every contact. I was like, I need to help this girl. She's unbelievable. No, she's really pretty. But she was named after this song to show you how, again, they, they waited three years and then six years, and they were still popular. That's, That's crazy. almost impossible. Yeah. That never happens. When you take that much of a break, it's usually over. This is the, So the guy was a true genius. He just needed more time. Sorry. But what are you going to do? What you need to do if you're dealing with an artist like that is just let it work. Get someone else to cover your expenses that's going to put an album out mm-hmm. every year. Figure it out. Yeah. Let the artists do whatever they need to do. Some people take long. Some people take short. It, it Maybe that song was really good. And they had uh, two more songs off that album that were okay. They weren't as good as the others, but they were huge smashes. So whether they weren't, like the the first, they were smart because they were more grown-up songs for the people that grew up listening to them. Yeah. So it worked.
1: That is cool.
2: Uh, so I don't know. I thought all that was kind of interesting because, uh, you know, when I th- when I heard George Michael died, that's the first thing I thought of for some reason is these two artists, Prince and him, mm-hmm. that had legal trouble and – Died of, or er, very young. Both died, I think, around the same age.
1: Yeah.
2: And almost, let's say, of a broken heart. <laughs> Which brings us to Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds today. Now, you know who Carrie Fisher is, right? Really? Classic. Um, she is Princess Leia in Star Wars? Mm-hmm. You didn't know she died?
0: No. Really? You are
2: a fascinating individual. I
0: know, it's bad. You,
2: you know what Star Wars is, though, right? Okay, uh, I don't have to explain that one. Well, Princess Leia died about Christmas Eve, fifty nine. Wow! Uh, but she boozed up. She was a mess. After first of all, she was like, th- I think I have a picture of her under here. What she looked like when she was younger, I can show you later. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to move that board. <laughs> um, but she was a beauty and fun. Apparently, turned out we found out recently she had she had a new book and she fucked Harrison Ford. She fucked Han Solo. Wow. Yeah, we found out late while they were making the movie and everything, you know, mm-hmm. and he was married. Of course. Yeah, but she was a party girl and cool mm-hmm. and like way cool. And the funniest thing is, I was going to show you this. <laughs> this is an article in the Post. <laughs> I think you'll like this. Written by Peter Mayhew. Do you know who that is? No. Well, here's the picture. They just have a picture of Chewbacca, yeah. Like, but like as his, but the. You know why this is funny, right? Because it looks like he's a contributing editor, (laughs) but It's just Chewbacca. Uh No, he. Well, in this particular, you know, day he was, but it's just funny to have a. They usually have a like the way I have my picture on the podcast like thing with the. That's the picture I use for like book stuff or articles. (laughs) They just have a picture of Chewbacca. Chewbacca. (laughs) It's funny. So he wrote an article about knowing Carrie Fisher and telling her about Warm. And it, it reminded me of when I wrote that article about Gary Shandling, and then Sarah got mad at me for writing it. She's like, you don't even know it if it wasn't for me. And I'm like, I know, I didn't want to put that in, whatever. And I was just thinking, I wonder if, like, you know, her mother or Harrison Ford or something was angry at Chewbacca for writing. You didn't even know her! You were in that fucking costume the whole time, jerk-off. It's the first thing I thought of. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, well, if Chewie wrote this... But I guess they spent time... It, it's so funny. She apparently must have been...
1: Because hilarious it's like to
2: hang out, they said if you were on a bad side, you were so screwed. but if she was in a good, I guess we're very much alike uh like if if she yeah. was in a good mood, she was Sounds a joy like to be around, really funny, you know, really just not taking any shit. She was so hot, like you don't even recognize how hot she is in Star Wars. It's like when she's out of the her Star Wars cousin there's everything. a picture of her in a bikini in the the Return of the Jedi Bikini. Uh, in the water, just as a publicity shoot. She's just so pretty. Um, but she boozed and coked and did everything. That's sad. Her mother uh, was in the movies in the 50s. She was a big star and she did this song.
0: Hey, hey I think it'll work. Of course. It's a siege. You know, it may be crazy, but we're going to do it. The Dooming Cavalier. It's so is funny now because abused. she was very
2: G rated. America's sweetheart. Her mother.
0: Yeah, I feel this is my lucky day, March twenty third. Oh no, your lucky day is the twenty fourth. I mean the 24? It's 1:30 already. It's morning. Yes, and what a lovely morning.
2: That's Princess Leia's mother.
0: Good this morning. morning. Uh-huh. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning. tapping. Yeah. Good morning. <laughs> Great to stay up late Good morning, good morning to you When the band began to play The stars were shining
1: bright
2: Her name is uh, oh, Debbie right Reynolds
1: so Good morning, good morning through Good morning, good morning To you and you and you and you I had to go back
2: morning Sorry, I felt too gay when I was playing that other thing. So. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so that's her mother, Debbie Reynolds was mm-hmm. her mother, right? So she was a big star. So she grew up in Hollywood, Carrie Fisher, and you know, having a very, very famous mother, yeah. Um, who was in, you know, song and dance and America's sweetheart. Plus, uh, you don't know this, but Debbie Reynolds was one of the first uh, love triangles in Hollywood. Like, mm-hmm. remember how Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt, and Jennifer Aniston yeah. were in this triangle? Yeah. She had one with Elizabeth Taylor and her husband, oh, cool. Eddie Fisher, which is named Carrie uh, Fisher, uh, Carrie Fisher, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was married and Eddie Fisher was cheating on Debbie Reynolds with Elizabeth Taylor, uh, who was, you know, the sultry, you know, the exact opposite of Debbie, okay. not America's sweetheart, yeah. you know, the, the whore, sure, you know, but everybody wanted Elizabeth Taylor, although I still never see it. I don't find her that <laughs> attractive to you mm-hmm. yeah. back then, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, so they were the first – so, you know, Carrie Fisher was growing up all this. She was like – when her dad was cheating, she was like, you know, one yeah, or whatever. And so, you know, she grew up in this mess of a household and yet celebrity kids and, you know, always having, you know, really famous people come by. You exactly. know, Gene Kelly and, you know, people from – that's from Singing in the Rain. Have you ever heard of that movie? Mm. It's a real classic and it's really good. And if you don't like musicals, you know what I think I'm going to do? is I'm going to edit that movie and I'm going to take out the musical parts. It's such a good movie. It's one of the best musicals ever made. Mm -hmm. I mean, anybody would tell you that. And the songs are really good, but if you don't like musicals, I truly believe you would like the plot and the premise of this movie. It's very, very funny and fascinating. It's all about silent movies. It's... It's about th- it's about a silent movie star, mm-hmm. uh, and they're about to go into sound pictures. And it turns out the silent movie star, this woman, um, and this and Gene Kelly, like she talks, she talks like this. <laughs> and so when they're doing it, they have to dub her voice. Like they have a problem yeah. with her because she's a mess. And so it's really funny and really interesting about the first like talkie pictures and mm-hmm. stuff. So the the plot is excellent. Where there's most musicals at that time you know besides the wizard of oz or something were horrible plus who cared you know it was all about i gotta get that girl this one was completely different (laughs) they never made a movie like that's why it was so successful it was unbelievable Mm -hmm. so um i think i might edit like the way i used to edit jackass for my friend for my friend's kid um i would take out the nasty parts and the cursing and just keep you know, like stupid. them going right. The stupid stuff where him going over a cliff on a bike, yeah. you know, or, or getting the port porta potty pushed over on or something. <laughs> and she loved it. I mean, loved it, you know, that and, and cool. it's something I was thinking about doing. I should do for the like, hospitals and stuff because it's kids like that kind of stuff, yeah. you know. So but this is another one I was thinking of doing. I don't know for who, but people that don't like musicals. If you take out the music, it's a most enjoyable premise. And some of the music, you know, was dull and boring, but yeah. some, some of it's amazing. Some of it's legendary. And that's what her mother did. Her mother was in this amazing movie 20 years previous to that. And, um, you know, so any, anyway, so Carrie Fisher died, I don't know, Christmas Eve or around there. Her mother died like the day after, two what? days later. Do you know why she died? A broken heart.
1: Yeah.
2: It happens. It does. It's a real thing. She died of a broken heart. She saw her daughter was going through a lot of shit. Her Mm -hmm. daughter was messed. She was very heavy at the time. Did you see the last Star Wars, The Force Awakens? No. You can see she's just out of it. Out of it, and she has been out of it. Like her voice is messed up. She's you know she had drug, alcohol, eating, everything disorders. Um, So the fact that she lived this long is actually quite a miracle for real. Like she puts it in her books, and you know she had. One person plays and movies. She wrote screenplays and stuff all oh. about her life. If you watch this movie called Postcards oh. from the Edge with Shirley MacLaine and Meryl Streep, it's, it's her story of her and her mother's... Um,
0: like growing up?
2: Dysfunctional personalities. Oh. Yeah, growing up. It's the exact... It's the, supposedly the story. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of cool that we have that in a way. um. But yeah, her mother died of a broken heart and it happens a lot. I know it happened. I'm positive. It happened to my friend Chris... His, um, My friend Chris was an Irish Catholic guy. Uh, His parents were a little older. He was the youngest of five kids. Mm -hmm. The oldest kid was gay, but I don't think he was out. And the family were not rich, and they spent everything on sending him to medical school. Oh, wow. So he became a doctor, and then he killed himself. And I think that they invested everything in this particular son. And when he died and I went to the funeral, it was on my birthday. I'll never forget. I think it was my 32nd birthday. Wow. And for some reason, these idiots in New York were throwing me a surprise party. I was so angry. I fucking hate when people throw me surprise parties. I like to throw my own parties. Yeah. As you know, you've been to them. Um, so this... I apparently threw a monkey wrench in the work because this was in Jersey and then we we're supposed to go back to the city. And I was wondering why my parents wanted to drive me to the city yeah. and I couldn't figure it out. Um, but this funeral was amazing. Uh, first of all, I love funerals, so I was happy to go to one on my birthday. But this funeral, his gay lover was like some Asian guy. And it's all Irish guys. I think me and Lawrence were the only Jews. And the guy's crying and screaming over the casket. No! Why?
0: Why? I mean, it was
2: so horrible for people that didn't
0: know who he was.
2: Don't know gay. Maybe, I don't think his son was out. You know, we knew he's gay now. We figured it out. When I went to his house, Mm -hmm. I saw, I went to his apartment. He lived in the city. He was Mm -hmm. going to NYU residency. And I'm like, boy, he's got a lot of show tune pictures. You know, and Lawrence was like, (laughs) don't say that. I think he's gay. And I'm like, well, of course he's gay. You know, like, I noticed it right away, but apparently back then you weren't allowed to say it yeah anyway so this gay guy lover is screaming over the as if it could get any worse for the parents their son just killed himself yeah they didn't probably didn't know he was gay or maybe they didn't want to think about it. and then this guy is showboating <laughs> in a way over i mean so ridiculous it's uh i mean i know people grieve in different ways but you know Be have nice. a little fucking respect You know, maybe his parents, uh, they loved him. And whether they knew he was gay or whether he was out, have a little fucking respect, and his dad died a month later because he died of a broken heart. Because his son that he put everything into let it all go (laughs) because he was, you know, killed himself. And that's the worst thing that can happen to a parent. Yeah, And he just, I know, know I'm positive. I've always said he died of a broken heart. The dad. Yeah. So I think that's a real thing.
0: No, I think it is too.
2: And I do believe that's what happened to Debbie Reynolds.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's got to be devastating for your kid to go before you. You know, even if you're eighty nine or whatever, and she's fifty nine. But that—that that, that
0: you saw them come and you saw them go.
2: Yeah, it's got. From crazy. what I'm told, it is the worst thing that could yeah. possibly happen in in life. Uh, uh the final thing we uh, wanted to talk about today was um. We'll be finished soon. You're okay? Yeah. You want to get more high? Or?
0: <laughs> I was waiting for you.
2: Uh, Ashley and I are going down to this Chinese restaurant, yes. which is not to be believed. We, I finally took, I, me and Chris Murphy discovered this place. I don't know how we discovered it. I bought Ashley there. I told her it was great, and mm-hmm. it delivered, just like the wings.
0: The wings are great, <laughs> right? Yeah, the wings
2: are great. Um, this place is great. It's not your no, typical it's Chinese food, it's, it's kind of classy. But the place is awesome. It's very fun. It's not dirty. It's It's clean. clean. It's nice. Um, Fresh. But and they get angry if you're not ordering correctly. You know they don't. I don't think they speak a lot of English. There's not a lot of white people there. It's mostly uh, Asian. Asian. Um, But the food was fantastic, and they have a no tipping policy, which we didn't know last time because we were so high we didn't notice it. And we tipped too much. I was like, Gan, it, the, the problem is that place is too expensive. Well, it turns out it's not that expensive. There's no tipping. You don't have to, it's included in the oh. menu. We were wondering why everything was so expensive. Now we know. It's fantastic <laughs> not tipping. Great. Um, they should do that everywhere. <laughs> um, well, I'm not telling you that because you work for tips, but uh, true. Um, but yeah. The place is great. By the way, this Saturday I'm going to Wolfgang's as I you know, because you can, you don't eat meat. I know. And you still you didn't I've never
0: been there though. I know they have regular food as well, like yeah. not only steak. Well, you work
2: on Saturdays now. We yeah. always go on Saturdays. Well, and I would say it'd go there for your birthday, but you don't want to go. That's not your favorite place, I'd you don't go like you're like, you know, like me. Yeah. Um, what are you doing this weekend? Will you going to work?
0: I just work. I went much.
2: up to Ashley's place and the problem is it's upstate a little bit and the way you get there, I hate the road. what is it sawmill river parkway yeah that's the worst road on the planet so i don't like to drive there and i love driving but god that's why i would move to jersey if i leave the city i'm moving to jersey because you know what they have there? straight roads (laughs) straight roads with lots of wide open space yeah this is a windy long road if you have one drink you feel like a bag of crap you feel like you can't handle the road Mm -hmm. um it's horrible and, you know, I'm pretty good at drinking and driving. I'm not on that road. <laughs> well, at least I know, I guess. Yeah. But no, that road sucks and it has lights. If
0: you don't know, it's really dangerous because it's curvy and yeah. the lights come out of nowhere.
2: So it's hard because I like the place where you work. I like it a lot. And yeah. last time I was there, I had people visit, you know, because mm. I know some people in town. Alan's sister lives there and everything. And I had people visit. It was so much fun. It's a really nice, cozy place. Yeah. I would like to spend more time there. But and I it's not far, but it's. I guess I could take the train. But the train sucks, too. You know it does. That's why you drive here.
0: I mean, but it's easier for you to get to the train and then just one way down, one way back.
2: This Friday, I'm going to see um, Richard Klein in a play in Rawway. Our friend Richard Klein, Larry from Three's Company, who you've met before Mm because you came to see the play. Um, So I'm paying it back. I'm going to see him in something, uh, which I think I need to do. And he is a lovely guy, so I'm excited about that. And then Saturday is Wolfgang's, and I'm going to go back to Soul Cycle.
0: Can I go?
2: What, you want to come on Saturday? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Let me know. What? C- can you pull up the rest, too? I'm trying She's to stretching, and you can see her belly and almost to her boobies.
1: <laughs>
0: I, was like, I was like, just go up a little higher.
2: Go up a little higher.
1: It's
0: <laughs> so
2: almost there. You have a perfect stomach. I don't think you I've need to go. I've been working out. Clearly. Yeah. Let me see that again. No, not for ridiculous purposes. Yeah, look at your st- its stomach. I mean, it's, it's, w-
0: it's going to get to where I really want it to be. But
2: wait, wait. When you picked up your stomach, let me just see a little bit. Was I... Are those... Right there. What's that? Are those your boobs?
0: No, my boobs are. A
2: piece oh, right. That's what I thought. Oh, okay. No, it's like just the
0: fat I want to get rid of. Oh, yeah. I thought, but
2: it's coming out of your boobs. Like it's like a. It's in like your under, bra. Yeah, yeah. I
0: don't know what it is. It's just some extra fat I got there. Yeah,
2: well, you're, well, you're doing good.
0: Thanks. <laughs> I mean, you look amazing. Thanks, Dave.
2: Besides, uh, yeah, I like you a little bit. <laughs> anyway, just last thing I want to talk about before we leave. Doug Herzog was the president of. Um, well, he was the president of Comedy Central. I he I don't know. I don't think he was the president of Viacom. He just stepped down last week. He was in charge of MTV, VH1, Spike, things like that. I've known Doug Herzog for many years now. He was always very nice to me. He was the president of Comedy Central. and we, we had a good relationship. It started uh, in Montreal in like 1994. And he was in, you know, knowing him was very exciting because he was the head of Comedy Central and that's where you wanted to be. Yeah. And uh, he was behind me online in Canada f- for the w- customs. Mm-hmm. And I got pulled over for having a knife.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And you, I'll never forget his face. You know, he knew who I was. And uh, he was like,
1: <gasps>
2: oh, why do you have a fucking knife? You know, and then they opened it was a switchblade, <laughs> but it was a switchblade comb. And he never stopped giving me shit about it. <laughs> like after, because I was so embarrassed, yeah. they wouldn't even let me take it on the plane. And this is before September 11th. See, so you almost got to appreciate Canada. They were way ahead of their time. <laughs> they wouldn't even let me bring a switchblade comb on. And I was doing it for a bit. I was doing, the thing. But he always gave me shit. Like when I saw him years later, he's like, "You still got the uh, switchblade comb?" Right. Like, no, they made me keep it there. Remember, <laughs> you were there. Um, he was a very nice guy, but he wasn't very helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And I just remembered uh, one day, we, you know, we wor- he would always take a meeting, which was very nice. Mm-hmm. And one time, I pitched this show back in ninety. A lot of people were stealing my ideas in the nineties, and it's a fact. Um, I've told you once. Those the Sklar brothers um, were involved; they didn't steal, but MTV stole this show that I had, and everybody in town knew. And it was very disheartening for me. And it's one of the reasons I'm in the position I am uh, at my job because. Um, I kept getting things stolen. People didn't want me, they just wanted the ideas and they would steal them and there was nothing I could do about it. Yeah. And uh, so in the Dick Van Dyke show (laughs) many years ago, before I was even born, uh, what would happen, a lot of times they would take all the furniture out of their living room and do shows. And you know me, I like that kind of stuff. So this was one episode where they were Uh, They would have parties in their living room, and Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore would like sing this uh, song for all their friends that were surrounded, were sitting sitting on the floor uh, and the couches.
1: (laughs) And they're just singing
2: on these stools, and they look amazing. Mountain
1: greenery, ooh, what scenery in our mountain greenery, where God. <laughs> scenery just two crazy people
2: together always together they have a, ba- a little bam combo in their house
0: Wait, that's what I'm trying to yeah that's awesome that's what when makes
2: it so great will the and if you're this good, is a sitcom I'll
1: search for wood
2: search on CBS for
1: so yeah. could get,
2: get no keener reception in a beanery,
1: a beanery. <laughs> <laughs>
2: The point is, uh, so I, you know, I am a sucker for this shit. I know that. Right. But I thought this was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. They're in their house and they're having a party. And at that time, me and my friend Lawrence would have a lot of parties at his house where we just gather around the living room. And, and, and we'd have shows like that. Lawrence had a party once, like a 60s party. We did a theme party, a the 60s party. A thing, and we'd have performances at the party. And everybody would gather around sitting on the floor, sitting on the couches, and we'd perform. Yeah. Even when we found Rachel, like, and and Sarah performed, and we all did performances. And it was really fun. And no one else was ever doing that. And I'm talking about Sarah and Mattel, and we'd perform. We'd have stand up, we'd have music. I remember, I think I was doing Brando one day. I don't know why. But oh, yeah, a toga party. Fun. It was a toga party. And I was performing, and everybody was performing. We'd all do something. Not all. You know, we'd have it scheduled. Four yeah. people had it prepared ahead of time. So it was short, but it was just part of the, you know, like a 30 minute, 20 minutes, whatever it was. And it was, my sister sang songs. It was fantastic. And people loved it, and it was a classic party. So I went to Doug Herzog, the president of Comedy Central, because I had a manager at that time, and I said, let's do this. Well, I know what I bought him. I bought him the Dick Van Dyke show, and then I bought him a clip of Playboy After Dark that Hugh Hefner had before I was born. He had a show called Playboy After Dark where everybody sat around, models obviously, and Sammy Davis. And performed while everybody was watching. And I said, let's do a show like this where we get our comic friends, we get some musicians, and we're all sitting on the floor in the living room and, and we're having a party at my house.
0: Putting on a show. We're
2: putting on a show at my house. We're having a, a party and then we do a show at the house and everybody's just gathering around in a circle. And they loved the idea. And then they took it. <laughs> and they called it Comedy Product and they had Janine Garofalo host it. And... uh They didn't do it the right way at all. They only used comics. They used alternative comics. At that time, there was a lot of alternative comics, which was fine, but they missed the point.
1: Yeah.
2: It needed to be comedy and music. It needed to be all different things. And they just did it with comedy, but they stole it. I went into his office and I told him and I showed him clips and I gave him the product. And it was very clear. This was the exact same thing. You know, I was watching and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And you can't do it. But it had happened so many times. Already, I was like, I give up. Yeah. I gave up. I think that's when I gave up. I, I too many times I'd been kind of hurt. Yeah. Um. You know, he was also in charge of the Daily Show. He, you know, was there when uh, Madeline Smithberg and uh, uh Lynn, <laughs> shit, <don't laughs> kill me if she listened. Lynn Westead, uh, West- Winstead, Winstead, uh, developed the comp- uh, the Daily Show.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know whether you know this but I was supposed to be on The Daily Show. Do you know what The Daily Show is? No, that I think about it, it's the one with Jon Stewart that mm-hmm. used to be on on Comedy Central. Who well, You don't know that either? That was pretty popular.
0: It sounds familiar.
2: Huh. There's like a whole bunch of people that come from that show that were correspondents, like that Samantha Bee that's got that show on TBS now, and I think Aziz Ansari comes from there. You don't know any of that, huh? That's interesting. But I was supposed to be a part of that show when they were first developing it, because I had a pretty good relationship with them. This is before they took the show. Um, and then my manager told me not to do it, that the show was going nowhere. Oh, wow. 14 years later, I think it was a mistake. Me too. <laughs> yeah, it lasted a long time. It's still on. And this was in 94, so. Oh, wow. What was that? Uh, 20, 23 years. <laughs> my manager was like, I don't see it happening. I, it is my uh, formal recommendation that you don't do it.
1: Yeah, well, he was
2: wrong. <laughs> I know. I hate that guy. <laughs> um, that's why, again, I didn't have any managers. I'm telling you. Ugh, what a mess. Some people work through it. I was crestfallen from all of it. <laughs> I mean, I just couldn't. All those tragedies just added up for me, and I gave up. But I'm trying again. <laughs> I'm bringing it. Last year, I'm bringing it back. I'm you trying should. again. Uh, um, I have a new manager now. Maybe this time it'll be different. I haven't had a manager in 20 years. I like this girl. Maybe things will work out this time. She's a real go-getter. I have faith. Might
0: be Spanish. Ooh.
2: Or Latino. Sorry? What's not racist?
0: It doesn't matter to me. Well, I know it doesn't matter to you. Spanish isn't really racist. That's what I
2: say, but then everybody was giving me shit the other day. Mm -hmm. Um. So, yeah, I guess that was... was, uh, What was it? The Daily Show was... was, uh, was, uh, uh, I think that was it, right? Um... Why do I feel there was one other thing I wanted to say? We're talking about The Daily Show. What else? Oh, I know. He was also at Spike. Um, when I had a show on Spike, I uh, developed a show, and then it wasn't his fault. The writer strike happened. And then it... Uh, when I was giving it another shot, 10 years later, I was already at the job <laughs> I'm at now, yeah. and they bought my pilot. It never happened before. They bought a play that I wrote, and they were going to make it a series... And then the writer's strike happened, and it all went I fakakta. I, I could do an entire year of shows on all the stuff that, where I've been screwed. But <laughs> of course, you know what? So can everybody else. So I don't feel uh, that, bad? that bad about it. Well, I feel bad about it, but I got to let it go, right?
0: Let it go. Uh, like like with the, the song old says. the and with the new.
2: Like the song, like the yeah, Dana Menzel song says, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> you know that one, right? Yeah. Thank God. This has been tough. I, I love when you don't know stuff.
0: I'm always lost. Oh, I don't
2: have a problem. I love when you don't know stuff. I was telling my friend Lawrence the other day. I'm like, you can't get mad at younger people that don't know shit we know. Yeah. First of all, I didn't know a whole bunch of stuff when I was like 20. I didn't know stuff. Other people that were normal, they, they used to make fun of me you who were 21. You didn't know was last year. Well, that I wouldn't know because I'm, I'm older, I guess. No. I well, then I saw him on Saturday Night Live yeah, when I exactly. got exactly. But I like that you don't know a lot of stuff because then it's fun to have you on because I can explain it to you yeah. as if I'm talking to the audience it's kind of fun. So uh, I like that. But it is surprising you don't know The Daily Show. I will say that. That is I think a little I do shocking. Cuz that was pretty goddamn popular, you know. Other than that, I'm with you 100%. <laughs> anyway, thank you everybody for joining us. Listen, guests of the uh, Dave Just Got podcast stay at the Kimberly Hotel. What do you want covered? The Kimberly is your best bet. Party gifts provided by Bonjour. Bonjour the lifestyle you wish for. And we'll see you next time on the Dave Just Got Podcast. Have a great 2017, everybody. We'll see you next week when I think my niece will be on, who also won't know anything. So, because uh, you guys are about the same Sorry. age. Yeah, yeah, she's home from college. So I thought she, uh, her mother wants her out of the house and she doesn't do anything. So she's just like me last week. Anyway, I'm back and better than ever, 2017. It's going to be an amazing year. We'll see you next time on the Dave Just Got Show. Thank you so much, Ashley.
0: You're welcome. <laughs>